Welcome to the Naturally Healthy Pets podcast. Let's get to it. Welcome to today's show. Uh, We have three of us today, so we'll see how that works out. Hopefully we won't be all screaming over each other, but uh, it's already started out with the conversation beforehand being a lot of fun. So my guests today are Dr. Ian Billinghurst. And if you haven't heard of Dr. Billinghurst, what rock have you been hiding under? Uh, Because he has been in the holistic veterinary space for a very long time. Uh, We kind of call him the father of raw pet food, and the very first raw pet food I ever fed my dogs was Dr. Ian Billinghurst's Barf Diet when it was available here in the U.S., and his first book, Give Your Dog a Bone on Biologically Appropriate Nutrition for Dogs and Cats, is celebrating its 30th anniversary. I did the math. That's 1993. That's so awesome. You've been talking about this for, are you tired of talking about it yet? Well, I actually wrote the book, so I'd never have to talk about it again. <laughs> yeah, how's that worked out for you? <laughs> it's been a complete failure. <laughs> well, we all have to fail at something. Congratulations. Thank uh, you. And my, uh, my other guest today is Rob Ryan, and he's the founder of Gussie's Gut, which you can find on our website. Uh, and he focuses his expertise in microbiome health and whole food nutrition. And he and Dr. Billinghurst have kind of teamed up uh, to talk a lot about fermentation and um, just food in general. And I think mostly we're going to be talking about dogs today. But um, so Rob, this goes, question number one goes to you. Uh, What got you interested in fermented food for dogs? Yeah. Uh, Well, it's uh, the namesake of the company, my dog, Gussie. Um, he's actually, he, he's got an Italian name. It's Gusto, which is <laughs> Italian for zest for life. And, uh, you know, quite literally without being too uh, silly about it, he uh, lost his zest of life when he got into my trash can in the kitchen and hadn't eaten for seven days mm-hmm. and, uh, then started stop drinking the last three days. We did sonogram. We did all kinds of stuff. Couldn't find this thing that was, uh, causing all of this, um, all of these health issues. And eventually, boop, he pooped it out. And that was on the seventh day. And um, a bunch of gut, I could just tell a huge uh, gut disturbance followed. And because uh, that was his first poop in seven days. <laughs> and uh, it was a huge bottle cap, um, plastic bottle cap. It was slightly bent. He had bitten it before he swallowed it. Yeah. And, uh, so I had a bunch of time in my hands. It was, uh, you know, during the pandemic and I was, you know, it was all, all over Instagram, people were making sourdough and, and I thought, you know, wait a second, I'm going to start fermenting for him and just optimize this and see how it goes. So that led to a conversation with Dr. B, Dr. B and I had known each other, gosh, it was 20, 23 years ago when I got my first dog who lived to 16 so he taught me, he, he, he was introduced to me by Dr. Marty Goldstein, and he taught me exactly how to feed raw uh, very quickly and adeptly. And um, uh, that was uh, the year 2000. Cool. All right. And so, Dr. Ian, we're going over <laughs> to you. Why did you join forces with Rob to help formulate the fermented superfoods that turned out to be Gussie's gut? Like, what made you say, this is the guy? <laughs> because he was so insistent. 
<laughs> no, it was a little bit more than that. Been there and um, done that. <laughs> he's a very persuasive man. He's a marketer. But it takes a lot to persuade me to do anything um, that I don't want to do. And you have to ask my mum, or you, you would have had to ask my mum, but anyway, that's another story. She's not with us anymore. But what he was proposing was something that I had not been able to fully incorporate into my evolutionary food program because of a lack of its availability. For example, I wanted, always wanted to put in um, the gut contents of cattle. Um, also like to incorporate a bit of poo somewhere. But you can't do that. People find it repugnant. They find it off-putting. And although dogs eat all these things, we had to have something that would fill in those nutritional gaps. And I thought, aha, uh -huh, this ultra-smart Yankee salesman is onto something here. Um, all right, I'll go. I'll go with it. Let's see what happens. Um, and so it's been a great ride. He's actually resurrected um, me in a way. He's dug me out of this sort of this grave of where all, all I wanted to do was paint and have a good time. And now he's got me working. <laughs> How dare again. you? <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, Holistic veterinarians are never allowed to retire. We just revamp ourselves into something else. <laughs> well, I think so. But but what it has done also. I have looked at the internet and I've looked at what the, I'm going to call them for want of a better word, these bath gurus or rule feeding gurus have made of the original proposition that I put out. Now, my original proposition was absurdly simple. And um, if you look at my signature, it says nutrition, it's absurdly simple. And they had turned it into this complex program where you need a spreadsheet and a computer to work out how to feed your dog. And I thought, my God. Yeah. And, and I was probably almost ready to give up on that <laughs> until this very smart man from America, young Rob there, came to me. And I thought, right, well, he's going to use me and he's going to use me to help sell a product that's going to be so beneficial to dogs. I'm going to use him to get my thoughts out there. Now, I perhaps didn't put it in those words to myself, but that was the train of thinking that went through my mind. This is my opportunity now to get some truth out there about nutrition. And so here we are today. You know, Gwen and I were having a discussion about this earlier today, and she said, you know, I because I have this clowder of cats because the stray cats showed up pregnant and we had all these kittens born, and so now we have all these year-old cats because we really stink at giving away cats. So I've got all these cats, and they live in the barn, and they do their job. They, they hunt mice, they hunt birds, they hunt moles, whatever. But they literally eat the entire thing. If they eat a bird, I might find two feathers. And... So we were talking about all the foods that are on the market and how we really are missing so many parts and pieces that if we looked at what they would eat in the wild, they're eating the hair, they're eating the feathers, they're eating the brains, they're eating the eyes, they're eating the gut contents, like they're eating everything. And you're right, it gets distilled down to, you know, this percentage of muscle meat, this percentage, and they're like, I'm guilty of that too, because that's what people want to hear, um, this percentage of of organ meat and this percentage of vegetables. And then it does become so complicated because then we get, you know, FDA and AFCO and FEDIAF who everybody steps in and says, well, you have to meet these standards. And they're, yes, they're a joke. I agree. But if you're going to have something commercial on the market and not have the authorities come down on you, you have to toe the line. And that's another conversation. Anyway, um, so 
I real quick, uh, you uh, and we're going to put this up in uh, post production with uh, Dr. Ian's food pyramid. So I happen to have the pretty picture, but Dr. Ian has a couple of other food pyramids and I want you to hold those up because I love them. And if we get copies, we're going to put these up too. I love the top of the pyramid is poo. Um, and then we have the RMBs or the raw meaty bones. You had another one there too. Do you have your other one in front of you still? Most, in, most definitely. There we go. There we go. Uh, so the bottom is the biggest part. We got poo way down there. Like, so let's talk about poo. Why is poo beneficial? And what does poo have to do with fermented foods? Who, who are you directing this question to? Oh, either one of you. Rob, do you want to talk about poo and fermented well, foods? I, I think that's Dr. B's, that's Dr. B's uh, good area. I'm happy to talk about it. But I do want to interject here. That the last thing he said, uh, as a marketing person, I, I did save him from a really disastrous acronym. <laughs> because as everybody knows, he created BARF, B-A-R-F, Bones and Raw Food Diet or Biologically Appropriate Raw Feeding. Uh, he wanted to add absurdly simple solution to the end. So it would have been barfass. And I said, <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay. So. <laughs> I knew this was going to be good. All right. So, um, Ian, yes. I want you to tell us why poo is beneficial. Uh, Cause I have a poo eater and everybody's all freaked out about it. And I'm like, dude, you're eating that. Cause you need something. He happens to be my dog who has had stomach ulcers in the past. He's had chronic anemia that I can't seem to get a hint. I don't know where it's coming from. Um, and so he's my poo eater. And I'm like, well, you're, you're giving yourself a fecal transplant from the healthy dogs in the house who don't have any issues. Um, so what, why is poo so important and how does that relate to fermented foods? This oh, is for well, Ian. <laughs> um, how many hours do you have? All right. Uh, not many. <laughs> uh, none of us do, actually. So I've been told, particularly me. Anyway, <laughs> years ago, owners of German shepherds particularly, because they were a large breed and they were wanting to feed these dogs on something that would slow their growth rate so that they didn't develop orthopedic bone problems like hip and elbow dysplasia, would come to me and say, my dog is eating its own poo. Perhaps they didn't say that. They might have said feces or droppings or something. But anyway, the dogs were eating their own poo. And they said, it's disgusting. And why are they doing this? And I thought about it for about a millisecond and said, well, you're feeding them dry food. So what you're putting in at one end is a very poor nutrition, and what you're going out the other end is actually valuable nutrition. So they're, they're smarter than you. Perhaps didn't say that, but I'll say it now. They're smarter <laughs> than you, and they know that they should eat their own poo if they want to actually thrive and do well. And what's so great about poo? Well, let's think about it. Poo is actually the dead bodies of bacteria, and bacteria are living creatures. And we actually come from bacteria, by the way. We come from... Anyway, I won't go into all that. But So they're living creatures. So what have they got? Well, they've got first-class protein. They've got all the essential fatty acids. They have, I guess, they're a form of probiotic because they come from the, the internal parts of a dog, perhaps. Um, they've got prebiotics so there's, because a lot of the stuff they're feeding was based on some sort of fiber. They've got postbiotics because the bacteria feeding on them have actually produced good substances. So all this wonderful stuff was dropping out the back end and being 
treated with great repugnance by the owner and tried to get rid of the dog said, nah, this is, I was going to swear then, this is really good stuff and <laughs> I'm going to eat it. So I realised way back then that this was part of the biologically appropriate raw food program. I didn't really use those words in my mind at that stage. It's just, well, this is what we should feed dogs, it's common sense. Um substitutes for those things so we can actually supplement with first class um, proteins if you like in the form of eggs or perhaps lean meat whatever it doesn't matter uh, throw in some essential fatty acids throw in a, some form of probiotic and this at this stage it was like kefir or uh, yogurt that sort of thing but th then this is where Rob came in about 20 or 30 years later or whatever but so it was this is what poo has. It's, it's a living food and it has these, these enormous benefits and it's part of what dogs are designed to eat because they're scavengers. And the word scavenger is, part, is one of the principles associated with what I'm going to teach in this course that I'm doing, which will, maybe Rob will talk about or maybe you'll I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's coming up. This course I'm teaching on the absolute simplicity of canine and feline. Actually, feline is even more simple. You actually spoke about it. You actually told them all they need to know. But um, Whole animal prey. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, dogs are different. They, they actually are not whole animal prey. They're scavengers. So they need more bones than cats. And they, anyway, won't go into it now. But so because your question is, that that's why poo is so important, because it contains many of the missing foods that are not available any other way, and particularly fermented food. Pretty awesome. So for all of those people who keep asking the question, why does my dog eat poo? There's a pretty good answer for why does my dog eat poo? And uh, maybe we shouldn't be so grossed out. And maybe we should say, hey, that's fine. You can do that. I'm you know, not so thrilled that you want to come kiss me right afterwards. So, you know, we'll yeah. avoid that. But, um, you know, it really and we do see if we think about it, rabbits have to eat their feces in order to get the B vitamins that are supplied by the first pass of the feces. Like they would die if they didn't do that. So, you know, we have to look at, you know, mother nature's actually kind of smart and we really, really try to muck it up as much as we can. We think that we're doing a good job, but we're really mucking it up. I can't believe we're halfway through. We have to take a break. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the benefits of fermented foods because there are so many. Um, and so we want to talk about how we can help our pets by giving those fermented foods. We'll be right back. Fermented whole foods are great for our pets. Learn the benefits of fermentation and simple ways to DIY in Billy Hookman's mini course, Incorporating Fermentation into Your Dog's Diet on Dr. Judy U. This one hour mini course will help you boost your dog's nutrition from the comfort of home. Podcast listeners can take advantage of a 50% discount by using the code PODCAST09 when checking out at drjudyu.com. Welcome back. So we're going to talk about some of the pros and cons of fermented food, particularly, I'm sorry, uh, benefits of fermented food. And I'm going to throw this to Rob because he's the one who said to Ian, hey, we got to do this. And apparently he's a good marketer. So uh, Rob? What are benefits of fermented food and why should we all think about feeding fermented foods to our dogs? Yeah. Well, um, so I've been a, a couple things. I'm a really good fermenter too, it turns out. Um, I have, I've been as interested in health and longevity and health span 
Hellspan as long as I have basically in my career. Um, so, you know, to me, marketing was how, how can we communicate something that people need and maybe don't really understand or it's too complicated for them to understand? So how can we make it simpler? In this product, um, it's just simple. And thanks to freeze drying, we're able to create something that is basically like you gave it raw um, or wet. In, without any of the issues of freezing and transportation, expensive shipping costs, we're able to freeze dry it, turn it into a powder, and you just put it right on top of any dog food. Kibble, raw, cooked, whatever it is you do, you can add benefits to that. And so we have 19 superfoods, and they vary between superfruits and vegetables and herbs, and we ferment them all the same for two weeks. And Every ingredient that we use is on the label, and um, it really kind of comes down to the other two ingredients are Redmond's. We use Redmond's Real Salt, and uh, that is a high mineral, high value mined out of the mountains of Utah. When Utah was an ocean, it's mined right out of them. So it's super pure. It's not affected by microplastics and all of that. We buy a lot of Redmond's. And we ferment that for two weeks. And then at the very end, we add a very little bit of cheese, of organic cheese for the dogs that are kind of like, you know, fresh food, know what's like that? Um, <laughs> because, you know, there are those dogs, um, the raw dogs and the, and the whole, the real food dogs, they, they go nuts for Gussie's gut. But the kibble dogs, we need to entice them a little bit more. So we put a little bit of that in, but it's a very little bit. Um, so we're talking antioxidants, we're talking enzymes, uh, the fatty acids that we have are incredible. And we talk about that when you sign up for our newsletter, we, we tell you all about the, the value of the, of what's in the product, but these 19 ingredients that Ian and I chose together, this wasn't what I made at my house. Uh, this is a super version of that. They work together and very synergistically and they create over 180 nutrients that we know are in the uh, formula. But I have some news. We are actually doing some pretty sophisticated testing pretty soon. So I, what, what I'm told is we're going to uncover more than 180 nutrients. Uh, terpenes, uh, polyphenols, phytochemicals, the things that you don't get from a multivitamin, a multimineral. Dr. Judy, two, two more, more common questions that we get, the most common are, should I replace my probiotic? Uh, with Gussie's gut? And the answer is no. If you need a probiotic, your vet has told you you need a probiotic. There's, you know, you have to remember there's a, we're dealing with a range of ages and health conditions in, in dogs. So we don't know what your dog needs, but we are able to provide this whole food spectrum of nutrients um, in addition to probiotics. Now, if you're a healthy dog, and you just need general wellness maintenance, yeah, you can just use Gussie's gut. That'd be great for you. And we have probiotics pre- and postbiotics, which is the triad, the you know the holy grail of uh, you know gut health. It's it's the, it's those three. <clears throat> and th so you said it's a freeze dried product. So you do the fermentation and then you freeze dry it. The freeze drying um, does that have any effect on the probiotics, prebiotics, nutrient value that you're getting? Yeah, no, really, really good question. So uh, no, and the reason is we do it a certain way. So you can. There's a huge, most people don't know about freeze drying. They just think it's, uh, you're just freezing it and it's turning into a powder. That's actually not what happens. There's pressure involved. 
and there is heat involved, believe it or not. And so we do our, uh, ours very carefully, very long and under 70 degrees. I actually think we're under 60 degrees in, in terms of temperature. So we're able to maintain its rawness and its nutrient value. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's always a question whenever we're freeze drying something like, are we changing things? And, yeah. um, and I don't think a lot of people understand how freeze drying works, but there's heat involved, but like you said, it's 60 or 70 degrees. So that's totally different than cooking something in your oven at 350 and dehydrating something. So we're doing it totally differently. Yeah. Um, okay. <clears throat> so let's talk about any cons to feeding fermented food. And I think I'm going to throw this one over to Ian. Um, because I do have people who say, oh, I have a dog with allergies or I have a dog with mast cell tumors. Um, can I use fermented food for them? Is it a good idea, a bad idea? So are there any cons to fermented foods? Are there scenarios where you would say, mm, might not want to do that? Mm, a, a very difficult question in many ways because it all depends on the dog that's involved. Um for the vast majority of dogs, absolutely no problem at all. And more so if it's in the context of a whole raw food diet. Then really I find virtually none whatsoever. However, if you overdo any fermented food to, to a great extreme, then of course the bacteria in that could actually override the healthy bacteria in the gut. And do, you're actually causing an imbalance. And it may, and it's particularly in, a, say, an immune-compromised dog, cause a problem. <clears throat> so under those circumstances, I would suggest to whoever's going to use something like Gussie's gut that they start off very slowly with very tiny amounts and watch what happens and then gradually add it in because that's the way the, the, the gastrointestinal system works anyway in a healthy way small incremental changes of something like Gussie's gut is the way to go. So that's my top tip for anybody who feels I'm not sure whether this is the right thing to use. I started with tiny amounts, just the tiniest sprinkle. Observe. So it's a very common sense approach. You just have to say, right, if this stuff is bad for my dog, then let's see what level is bad for them. Because let's face it, if you overdo water, if you overdo salt, if you overdo anything to your dog, it's, it becomes toxic. You, it's, you know, yeah, we, absolutely. So, again, it's just you just use common sense. And um, I don't, I don't. Whoever wants to answer this one, one of the things that people talk about are histamines in fermented foods. Now, I've heard uh, kind of both sides of the story on this one. Some people say, absolutely, if you have a dog with a histamine problem, like a mast cell degranulating, whatever, um, that uh, fermented foods should not be used because of the histamines that are present. And then I've talked to other nutritionists who say, kind of what Ian said, in the right amount, they can be very beneficial and the histamines are not a problem. Well, I can answer this from a, from a practical yes. point of view. We, we, we do get this question. And so our response is, if you're in doubt, if you have a dog that is dealing with a health issue, then go to your vet and ask them or don't try it. Um, err on the side of caution. The last thing we want our product to do is affect adversely your dog's health. That's the last thing we want. So we, we also know that 
I've gotten dogs that have, if you go to our reviews, they're all, most of these are pictures and images and they're verified customers of ours. By the way, our reviews, we don't uh, filter out the bad reviews, uh, nothing. We don't uh, edit them, nothing. Um, we have people that say, my dog was allergic and now is just doing great. And then we have others that we've had say, I bought a sample. My dog is just off the charts allergic and they didn't do well on Gussie's gut and they discontinued it. We gave them a refund. So the answer is nobody really knows. I mean, you know, the, these things, a lot of the things that we come in contact with, these really, really good questions from these very educated um, pet guardians, they are so good, but we don't have the testing equipment or the or the ability to test for the things that we sometimes want to. And I would love to say that, you know, well, our product on a scale of one to 15 has a histamine level of this, uh, but we don't have that really uh, available yet that um, is anything I would, you know, remotely trust and be able to tell people to as, use as a guide. Yeah. And I think it's so individualized. Every animal responds differently to everything we feed them. Uh, anything we put in on or around them. So I think it's a, it's a very individualized thing. And I like the, um, you know, try a little bit and if it's worse, you stop. If it's better, you keep going. Could I jump in um, there, Judy? <clears throat> yes. Um, the, the level, the histamine problem is really not so much the histamines, but the ability of the gut to degrade the histamine. And this is very much a product of the dog's microbiome. So, in many ways, a fecal transplant may be the answer. But again, I, I would say if it was somebody I was consulting and they really wanted to do this, I would say exactly what I said before, tiny amounts, tiny, tiny. If, if there's a genuine absolute problem, then even that tiny amount will cause some reaction, hopefully not a big reaction. But, um, <laughs> well, I've, I've never actually seen it. If, if it's so tiny, it's very unlikely to. Unless it was like a, some child with a peanut allergy um, where there was an absolute problem. But, boy, <clears throat> I, I just don't see that. But anyway, that's just my other yeah. two bobs worth. Okay. Yeah, I mean, absolute um, food allergies in dogs are actually really yeah. rare. Um, <clears throat> not nearly as common as peanut allergies in children. Um, so do you – feel that you have a lot of nutrients in this particular product, but do you feel if, so some people make their own fermented veggies. If someone's making their own fermented veggies, should they be rotating the different veggies that they're, they're fermenting? Um, I mean, I talk about rotation in diet a lot, but do you think that um, if, they're ro if they're making their own, should they be rotating those as well? Why? <laughs> you're, laugh you're, you're laughing, Ian. Go ahead. But right. Well, I'm watching you shake your head and I'm shaking in a positive way that oh. we're, we're both saying yes, yes, gosh. That's the whole key to health, the word variety, variety, variety. Um, it's part of the principles of evolutionary nutrition, part of what I teach, yes. And so it's, it's just common sense, isn't it? Um, you don't feed yourself Absolutely. the same stuff. So it's seasonal, it's local if you can. And, and of course... You're not trying to add any specific bacteria. You're using the bacteria or, or the microorganisms already present 
on the food, which is what Gussie's gut, we do at Gussie's gut. We're using the native bacteria. And that is what the dog wants to talk about with his, his intestines. Because remember, the intestines are actually outside the body. So there's a conversation between the body and the contents which is all the uh, microbial, the microbiome within. So that that conversation occurs most beneficially when it's just the native bacteria, not just a single strain that we put in to ferment the food, which right. is what you get in some other, well, most commercial products produced on a you know gargantuan scale. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned earlier, um, we, we could talk about this stuff forever, but uh, we don't have much time. You mentioned earlier a course that you're putting together. What is your course? I'm very curious. <laughs> well, um, it's a kindergarten course and you don't need to go beyond it because once you learn the principles, which are the kindergarten of evolution and nutrition, you are then set free because you know what to do. It's that simple. Everybody else wants to become a guru where they are the only ones who have the answers and it's all written in spreadsheets and what have you and recipes. What people need to know is that this is beyond simple. Nutrition is beyond simple. In fact, I was thinking about this this morning. When we were, when I was a young person, I lived in a society, Australia, where what we did was, in fact, on a broad scale, if you had a dog or a cat, you fed them with um, butcher scraps and human food scraps what you did it was common sense now we live in a society is what we do is we feed them kibble predominantly so <laughs> what was common sense back then is not common sense anymore so really what i am exactly. teaching is a common sense approach to nutrition but it's not just what we did back then it's also looking at it from a very scientific perspective because funnily enough i was trained in science agricultural science and veterinary science along the way and But what I've come to appreciate, something that wasn't actually taught to me, was evolutionary nutrition. And uh, one very specific teacher of mine, I've never met him, his name was Dobbs Hansky. He said, nothing in biology makes sense except in the light of evolution. So we just have to do what the dogs evolved doing. And I teach that as well in this course, how, the, how a dog has evolved to require what it requires today. And there are just some simple words like scavenger, omnivore, um, hunter, coprophagic, which means eating poo. All these simple concepts are embodied in the course. And at the end of it, people walk away saying, oh, my goodness, this is so simple. Why didn't I know that before? In fact, when I wrote Give Your Dog a Bone, I thought, why am I writing this book? It is so absurdly simple. Would anybody really want to read this? As it turned out, apparently, yes. So I am embodying yes, that the... book in the course and so much more because having been awesome. around now for who knows how long and how long it's going to go on, so I've got to get this out there. Uh, I want people to know the simplicity of all of this. Um so that's it. That's Absolutely. the course. Um, it's kind of like kindergarten nutrition, which takes you to a point where you are way beyond the best PhD. In fact, if you have a PhD in, in veterinary nutrition, you are unteachable and you cannot understand this stuff. It's beyond you. Um, 
but you're going to. Put- Unfortunately, <laughs> anyway, so, that is so true. Unfortunately, it, it, you know, it's sad. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I can't. I can't wait to uh, get the notification when this course comes out. We'll talk about that with you some more when it when it's available. Um, I love everything that both of you are doing for our pets. Um, Gussie's Gut is available on our website, drjudymorgan.com. It's also available at gussiesgut.com. It's a great product. I recommend uh, giving it a try. And I thank you both for the time that you were willing to spend speaking with me today, uh, particularly with the time zone differences that we have to work around. Some of us work late and some of us get up really early in the morning. Thanks, Ian. But yes, but always, always a pleasure talking with you, Rob. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for uh, pushing uh, Dr. (laughs) Ian to uh, join you in your endeavor because you've come up with something great until next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Judy. Thanks for listening to another great naturally healthy pets episode. Be sure to check out the show notes for some helpful links. And if you enjoy the show, please be sure to follow and listen for free on your favorite podcast app. We value your feedback and would love to hear from you on how we're doing. Visit drjudymorgan.com for healthy product recommendations, comprehensive courses, upcoming events, and other fantastic resources. Until next time, keep giving your pet the vibrant life they deserve. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. It is no substitute for professional care by a veterinarian, licensed nutritionist, or other qualified professional. You're encouraged to do your own research and should not rely on this information as professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Dr. Judy and her guests express their own views, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Judy Morgan's Naturally Healthy Pets neither endorses or opposes any particular view discussed here.